They'll announce the next Sunday night at 5. We'll have a meeting for those who are interested in being a part of a block party, first part of the summer. Several of us have been interested in doing that ministry. Basically, we just, uh, an area where there's a, a lot of traffic that comes by, and we are able to set up some rides and some ministry to people and to connect with the people and um, hopefully have an opportunity to minister to them and let them know that we as a church family care about this area, care about Bristol. So that's next Sunday evening at 5. encourage you, if you have a heart for that, to come be a part of that training. Um, we meet each other and you guys all have something to offer. This is Love Sunday. God's love. The Bible says no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Sacrificial love. Um, a number of years ago, <coughs> in a small community, <coughs> they built this uh, really nice but small brick building. And the purpose was to use it as a community center. And they were so excited when it was completed after a couple of weeks in one of the offices, uh, the person there noticed that the window wouldn't shut all the way. And, and then a couple of days later, they noticed that the doors began to stick and were ajar. Then as time continued to go by, they began to notice cracks on the walls. And then after a time, uh, they couldn't lock the door because it wouldn't shut tightly to lock. And then, sadly enough, a few months later, because of problems, they had to condemn that community center. Now, what happened? Uh, they began to investigate it, and there was a good architect, good builders, looked like a good foundation. So what was the problem? As they began to study what they found out, was that yards away, there was some mining that occurred. And so land nearby, that land, had been compromised because of the mining. And that, in turn, had taken a toll upon that foundation. And the foundation of the place began sinking. And that's what caused the building to have its problems. At times, the foundation of our lives, although they're built upon what's right, upon the Lord Jesus Christ, there can be influences from a distance that can bring erosion. As we talk about love, as we talk about sacrificial love, as we talk about love in our relationships, guys, um, there is a type of character erosion that can occur. It can occur in all the relationships, whether it's a relationship of a husband or wife, a parent, a child, um, siblings, those relationships that are close to us can erode away. And it happens slowly. I mean, uh, as I mentioned Sunday school this morning in the class, you know, nobody wakes up in a trash pile and says, man, I've been planning this for weeks. But erosion is slow and it's, it's debilitating and it's dangerous. And I want to look particularly <coughs> this morning a life of a guy who had a lot of influence, who was a major part of his community, but through the years, erosion 
And in this case, it affected his boys. Boys I'm sure he deeply loved. But boys that, even though they were in a place of service to God, were not following God. I'm talking about a priest that we discover him in the book of 1 Samuel. And his name is Eli. So turn with me to, I'm going to just read a couple of verses through the first couple of chapters of 1 Samuel. And I'm going to ask when you find that in 1 Samuel, if you'll stand in God's honor as I read aloud and you guys follow along in the scriptures. <coughs> 1 Samuel, first time we read of, of Eli's verse 9, <coughs> chapter 1. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost in the Lord's temple. Now uh, next chapter, look at verse (coughs) 11. Then Elkadah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Then chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. (coughs) Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. (laughs) At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. (coughs) For I told him, that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, Lord, We have to take an honest look at ourselves. Has erosion been a part of our own spiritual walk? Have we eroded in our love for you and for one another? Father, have we missed you? I pray, Father, that you might speak through this message, God. Obviously, if if it's just me speaking, there's not much said. But if your Holy Spirit anoints and works, then there's a lot said, Father. And so we just simply ask that you might work through this message, that, Father, you might get a hold of of me and and that you might speak and that we might hear from you. God, we need that. And I just pray that you might be glorified. Uh, Father, we want to worship you today. That's why we're here. And may that worship continue during this portion of the service. And Father, may our hearts be tender to you, the living God. And may we simply follow you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. (coughs) Last week we talked about profanity. And if you remember, I said that profanity is more than just a language that comes out of our mouths. But profanity is when we take what is sacred, what is holy, what is set apart 
for the Lord and we treat it as if it is insignificant or trivial, that's profanity. As, as we looked last week, um, I know I was challenged and I believe I wasn't the only one to the fact that I need to treat what God has set apart as being special, as being significant. You know, otherwise, then I begin to live what is a life of profanity. And as we look at Eli here, this crept into Eli's life. As we'll discover, he was the high priest. He was set apart for God's work. And yet over time, there was an erosion that set into his life. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 12. What a verse as it describes his boys, his precious boys, his sons. And what a, what a painful description, guys. <coughs> Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. Catch it? They were profane. No regard for the Lord. No sense of His holiness, of His presence, of His deserving to be worshipped and honored and reverenced. They had none of that. No regard for Him. It didn't matter how they lived, what they said, who they were in the presence of the Lord. They were profane. And that doesn't happen immediately. Usually it happens over time in erosion. Remember when Saul was called to the Lord, he was a foot taller than everybody else. He was the Hollywood king. He was the guy that everybody noticed. He really had it going. He was gifted. He was charismatic. But we know that in the end, he fell from God's best. Because he wanted to do God's work his way. He had no regard for the Lord. He made a profane choice. Remember where it was said to him to obey is better than sacrifice. Oh, you made some really big sacrifice there, King Saul. That's not what I want. I don't want your sacrifice. I want you. I, I want you to love me, to obey me, to, to follow me. And I, I want to look at a couple of verses, <coughs> erosion verses. That we can find in the Bible here. Um, first in Judges 16 verse 20. Talking about the strongest guy that ever lived. Old Samson. Had the long hair. And I don't know if he had huge muscles or not. But I know he was strong. Because it was the Spirit of the Lord that ultimately gave him his strength. Whether he had the bodybuilder look or not. He was, he was strong. Verse 20 is, is, man, it's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Then she called. Remember, Delilah kept trying to trick him in order to deliver him into the hands of the enemies. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Man. But he did not know that the Lord had left. How in the world did he not recognize the fact that the Lord had left him? Through erosion. Man, he had been going through the motions for so long that he had drifted from the Lord. And there was an erosion that took place. So subtle, so slow, but so devastating. 
that no longer was the blessing, the anointing, the power of the Lord upon his life. Man, how tragic. And I don't believe it's um, just for Samson can happen to any man or woman of God. The erosion. Um, we discover in Hosea, there's a verse in Hosea 8, 7. He who sows the wind reaps the whirlwind. Can happen to us, man. It's that gentle path of, of, of just an off-color word or, or just an innocent lunch date with that attractive person who is not your spouse. Or, and that erosion can begin to, to set in and before long you find yourself where you never intended to be. That's the erosion that can occur. Our character erosion that can keep us from being efficient and effective in the Lord and doing His work. Probably the, the, one of the most well-known erosion verses in the Bible before we begin to look at Eli's found in the book of Galatians. <coughs> excuse me. Chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And I always encourage you to turn there as a turn. Like I said, one of the preacher's favorite sounds is the sound of Bible pages turning. We all love that. Um, and by the way, uh, whereas it is good to, um, to be fed spiritually from preaching, whether it's on the radio or at church, it's still no substitute for us personally reading the Bible and growing. So guys, let's, let's take that time. It is time more than well spent to be in the Scriptures and read. Okay, here's the verse. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature... From that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. There are consequences for our choices. The erosion comes as we choose not to walk in the Spirit of God. But as we choose to walk according to that nature that leaves God out. It's called the sinful nature. And the erosion can work and it can follow. And, and I, I want you to see, um, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how holy you appear to be. You are a candidate for erosion. And so am I. As a matter of fact, let's look at this guy. Um, Eli, First Samuel. Oh. Chapter 1, <coughs> verse 9 that we read earlier, second part of the verse. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost. Thank you, Jimmy. By the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Now, he was a priest. He was a guy of influence. That's why he was sitting by the temple door. People came in and out of the city. People came by the gate. And, and here was a guy of influence. He was a priest. He was a guy they came to with the spiritual issues. He was a guy they came to and, and, and said, uh, pray, pray for me. Uh, give me wisdom. Let, let me know what to do. Uh, 
you know, the priest brings man before God. He, he says, just lift me up before the Lord. Would you, would you, brother? They looked up to him as the priest. But he was also the politician. He was one of the judges. He was one of the ones that held, took care of civil issues. So he was a busy guy. Not only did he take care of the tabernacle, he took care of, of issues between people that needed to be saddled. So as he sat at that court, he was a prominent guy. He was a guy that was looked up to. In uh, chapter 4, verse 18, we discover that he didn't do this for a couple of months. He was experienced. Notice uh, here at the very last part of verse 18, he had led Israel 40 years. Man, he had been at this for 40 years. Sitting at the gate, giving spiritual advice, praying for the people, trying to handle disputes. He had been at this a long time. He wasn't new at it. He wasn't a novice. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, verse 22... It says, now Eli, who was very old, very old. You know, I always said that old is a moving target. The the older I am, the older old is. And for him to say very old. Matter of fact, we we read a little bit later that uh, he was 98 when he died. So, you know, I don't want to put numbers on that. But uh, evidently here, very old uh, 98 uh, falls in the mix. In verse 2 of chapter 3, we see that his eyesight was failing him during this time. It says, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in the usual place. But although his eyesight was failing, his spiritual discernment wasn't failing. He still could recognize the voice of the Lord. Look at at verse 8. The Lord called to Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here am I, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So although there was an erosion that happened, he could still still discern the voice of the Lord. He had walked with the Lord for 40 years. He he had been faithful to, to be this judge and to be this priest. But even though he was in touch with the voice of the Lord, he wasn't in touch with his boys. He had lost his family. There, there was an erosion that happened where, although there were others who saw the Lord in this guy, evidently his boys saw something else. And guys, it's just really tragic as we learn about him. Um, let's look at verse 12. I'll just read to you about his boys and how heartbreaking this must have been for Eli. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. Now, it was the practice of the priests with the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand. <coughs> he would plunge it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treat all the Israelites 
who came to Shiloh, that even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the man said to him, Let the fat be burned up first, and then take whatever you want, the servant then answered, No, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. Man, he was selfish. These boys, they were in it for what they could get out of it. They were going through the role of being priests. But what they really wanted was meat for themselves. They were self-centered. Just because somebody stands before you in an office, just because somebody might hold the post of a preacher or a deacon or a leader, doesn't automatically mean they have the servant heart. In this case, these guys didn't. They were self-centered. They were selfish. They were discrediting, profaning God's name by this action of not treating sacred God's ways. It caused a lot of pain, guys. Verse 17, we read, The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering." With contempt. Man. We read a little bit later on in the scriptures too that they were involved in sexual promiscuity too in that office. Not only were they into being self-centered and selfish, they followed their lusts instead of following the Lord. What, what, what happened? How did it get to a point where they, they, were, they were there and Eli was the priest? He, he sat at the gate. He was the judge. He, he was following the Lord, but, but his kids were not. They assumed the post because he'd been passed on to the family. But they weren't carrying it out. Now, they weren't the first PKs, who, the first preacher's kids who didn't follow the Lord or walked away from the Lord or the last But certainly, that's what occurred. Man, how tragic. Um, You know, parenting is just so humbling. It is so incredibly difficult. And I believe with all of my heart that, you know, somehow kids survive us. Most of them grow up and live. Even though it's a difficult time. We always talk about the bad kids, but sometimes they have a lot to survive too, going through parenting of their parents. And the, the erosion that took place here, I don't think it happened overnight. These, these boys, they, they needed to be instructed. They, they needed to be disciplined. They needed to be directed. They needed to have a dad who, 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 would, who would deal with them, but it didn't occur. What, what happened? What, what went on there? What, you know, and you also read he had another boy, as we read in the scriptures, that was brought to him, who this book is named after, Samuel. As Elkanah brought her little boy, offered to the Lord, and she had, uh, she had Eli raise him. It makes you wonder, did she really know what was going on in his home? Something must not have been right around there. Maybe it slipped by her. <laughs> but she said... 
take care of him, mentor him, help him to grow. Maybe, I don't know what happened. Maybe he saw that his boys were just going the wrong direction and said, I'm just going to put all my attention and all my energy into this guy, Samuel. I mean, let him carry on for the Lord because these boys, I don't know what to do with them. They're lost cause. I can't, I can't. Turn it around. I mean, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what happened. Somehow, though Samuel survived all that, he was like a rose growing in the middle of a swamp. As all this chaos was going on, as all this erosion was was happening right there. And, man, um, all the pain. Look, uh, verse 27, is there's a prophecy against the house of Eli. As God comes before Eli with his servant and gives a message. It says, Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your father out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest. To go up to my altar to burn incense to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your father's house all the offerings made with fire by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offerings that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Why are you guys being profane? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I promise that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your family line (coughs) and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel in your family line, there will never be an old man. Every one of you that I do not cut off from my altar will be spared only to blind your eyes with tears And to grieve your heart and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what's in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his house and he'll minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a crust of bread and plead and appoint me. To some briefly office so I can have food to eat. Man, what a tragic rebuke on Eli. Just just a word of warning here. For I, want, I want to give some practical advice to close the heart of the message with erosion. You can have a saved soul and a lost life. You can have a saved soul and a lost life. When you bow your heart to Jesus Christ and you believe upon the sacrifice at Calvary, you are forgiven of your past sins, your present sins, and any sins you will commit. But that doesn't mean that you're free from the consequence of your choices. Erosion. Erosion, and, and and I guess I just I just I just want to point out to all of us, P, 
people need Jesus. And people look at you and they look at me. And we need to remember that, that we, need to, we need to look different. We need to, to, to represent Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, the erosion can set in and it can continue. And the people we love the most might miss Him. Because they don't see Him in me. And they don't see Him in you. Man, that's, that's tragic. As He comes before Eli and He gives us rebuke. Where was Eli? Well, practical, some practical stuff here as I close out this message. Um, first, he was just too busy. He was a priest. He was a judge. There was always somebody that had a need, a dispute, a spiritual need that had to be addressed. And so he was always at the gate. He wasn't there. He was so busy with the Lord's work that he missed his family. A place for erosion to set in with his loved one. Be careful that you're not so busy that you miss what matters. Secondly, he responded too slow. There had to be signs of danger. There had to be indicators that these boys were making bad choices. You know, I don't believe it just started out that they were sitting at the gate robbing God's sacrifices and, and, and making lewd passes at the women. It didn't start there. And at some point, I'm sure Eli heard about it, but he chose to look the other way instead of to deal with it. And I'll just be honest with you, that is tough. It's hard. I don't like to confront and deal with issues that are going to cause me to be um, hated by a loved one. Because a natural reaction we're in sin at first is to be defensive. And I don't like it. But I guess the question becomes, what I have to ask myself is, do I love that person? Because if the answer is yes, then I don't have a choice. Another word here, um, another little piece of advice. Praise people in public. Instruct and rebuke them in private. If somebody is doing something, you know, don't get in front of uh, the people that they're hanging around with or their co-workers or friends or whatever and, and announce to all the them. Um, do you know what he's doing or what she's doing? Don't do that. No. But praise them publicly. When they're around other people, you know, find ways to build them up and say, you know, I am so grateful that my spouse is, um, that this is in her life. Such a blessing to me. But then when you have issues, and, you know, do it in, in private. Say, and, and two, second with that, talk to the Lord about it before you talk to them <laughs> for a while. God, the Lord on your knees said, God, help me to be able to see clearly. And, and control my tongue because it gets out of it gets out of gear very easily and <laughs> help me to know what to say and then in private say you know I'm seeing this and I love you too much to not address it I'm afraid if I don't say anything that no one will and and, and I need to say this because I love you he he responded too slow. Third, 
Oh boy, this sounds like me. <laughs> he was too easy. You know, we just, we just want people to like us. And so we'll tend to be too easy. Not address things as deeply as they need to be addressed. Just kind of overlook it. Let it go. But that doesn't help him. It's not love. He missed it there, guys. He missed it. <coughs> now, some other three other lessons, and uh, I'm I'm closed. I'm gonna close. First, the Bible says, "Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." Wake up, call. You matter. You matter. Whoever the loved one is, spouse, kid, co-worker. Man, life is about relationships, one way or the other. And relationships need to be in the Lord. Wake up. Wake up and understand that you do matter. What you say does matter. What you do does matter. It makes a difference one way or the other. There are consequences either way. You're either... You're either drawing people, allowing people to see Jesus or you're not. You're, you know, you're, you're either showing him or you're blocking him. But there's no middle. Secondly, talk straight. Don't use a bunch of excuses. Don't blame everybody else. But be honest, be open and tell it straight. Although that's hard to do. I don't think there's any shortcuts to that. I mean, just be honest. Lay it out there. Don't wonder. Don't talk in coded talk. I remember one time uh, I was in a situation where there were some people that were upset with me. And um, this guy called me in. And I think he was trying to help me. But he called me in and he kept talking all this psychological goobly gook. And um, then he started accusing me of all this stuff. And I couldn't understand what he was saying, to be honest with you. So I finally said, look, I don't know what you're saying. I don't agree with it. And I'm getting mad. And because I don't know what you're saying and I can't talk to you, I'm leaving. Maybe some other time we can talk, but we can't talk right now. I better leave because I don't see how it's going to get any better right now. Man, talk, talk honestly, openly, don't play games. That's where respect comes. Just bury your heart in a loving way. And then last one here. Um, stay close. And you know, we get mad at each other, don't we? You know what she did to me. Can you believe what he said to me? And then what happens? We let the root of bitterness get in there and take root. And, and then all of a sudden that bitterness grows and it's like, well, if she feels that way, let her be that way. I'm not going to talk to her. Guys, that is, as a friend of mine says, you know, it looks like smoke and smells like sulfur and it's from the pit. That is demonic. Listen to me. Relation, time goes really quick and the people you love, if you isolate yourself from them, it's never a good thing. Swallow the pride, go to the Lord and try to get it right. You know, maybe the relationship, maybe on the other end, 
you know, they're not ready for it to continue. But may it not be your end. May it not be my end. Try to stay close. Try to nurture the relationship. Try to bring it back together because you don't want to wake up 30 years from now and say, I wish I had kept that relationship close. That's never a good thing. God wants to protect us from spiritual erosion. And the best place to start is this moment today. To come before the Lord today. And I, can't, I have to believe that He's speaking to, to, to hearts here today. Maybe He's saying you, you know, I've let some erosion creep into my life and the foundation needs to be strong again. And so I want to come this morning and I want to say to God's people, I belong to Jesus and I want to start fresh in you so that other people can see that clearly. And especially the people that see me the most. Maybe there's somebody here you just have not trusted Christ yet. You're waiting for that day. Well, the wait's over. Ask Jesus to enter your heart, to forgive your sins, and to start you on that road to keep erosion from setting in and destroying your character and relationships. Follow Him now. Let's pray and then we'll have time invitation. Lord, as we come to You, we confess that we need You. Father, we are prone to drift to a road unless we intentionally set our sights upon the living God. Unless we intentionally look to You and pray to You, follow You, then, Lord, erosion will happen. And let's come this morning and I ask that Your Spirit might have His way and that all of us would just say yes to You. Whatever that may be, God, if it's to come to this altar and to pray, may we obey. If it's to come and to, um, to pray here at the front to um, solidify uh, a commitment before you, God. So be it. If it's to stand before the, uh, the believers here at Kingsway and say, um, I'm serious about this and I'm going to make a, a new covenant before God's people. To, and I want to I just get started new today. And thank you, Lord, that you are the God of new beginnings and that we can come to you where we are and you say, okay, another chance. I just love that, Lord. You just love us. And so, Father, work this morning. Have your way. And may we follow. In your name we pray. Amen.